And we are live. Hello, everyone, and welcome to the Soul Survivor Podcast. My name is Dylan Bird here alongside my host, Ryan Winthrop. And look, the season we've already been talking about, we've been really liking it. Another solid episode tonight. Um, and I'm excited to talk about it, Ryan. How are you doing? Dylan, I always love talking Survivor with you because when we record, there's a great kumbaya here. Always kumbaya. It's not holy crapaya, as Mike said. So always good vibes podcasting with you about Survivor. And Ryan, Ryan, I think we're you know we're we're each other's number one, and you know we don't we don't have any we're not we're not going around and telling everybody else uh, that you know you know about about oh. being their number one. So oh, I'm uh, your number one. You're my number yeah, one. Together right. we make the perfect human. So. <laughs> so all right, yeah, yeah. So we're back here, excited to talk about uh, Survivor season forty two. Um, episode four, we are recapping tonight. Once again, be sure to drop any of your questions that you got in the live chat, you know, and we will be sure to get to it at the end. Uh, welcome back. If you're watching us again, thank you for watching. Just wanted to remind everyone that if you're watching live here, if you're watching late after live here, be sure to like this video. It really helps us out. Also be sure to subscribe to this YouTube channel. We had some great viewership last week and, you know, absolutely love to see that. So thank you so much to everybody who tuned in. You can follow us on Twitter, Instagram, and now also TikTok. We're on TikTok at Soul Survivor Pod on Twitter, Instagram at Soul Survivor Podcast on TikTok. Subscribe on Apple, Spotify, anywhere else. Give us a five-star rating and review. Sorry, that was a lot, but let's get right to it. We got a lot to talk about. Um, and yeah, you know, normally we go chronologically. Last week we started at the actual vote because it was such a crazy tribal council. This week I think we go back to chronological because it was more of a typical survivor episode. And yeah, <laughs> yeah. Ryan, want to get a kick want to get us uh, kicked off here. Yeah, like you said, a typical survivor episode. Uh, I know some people may have found it boring or predictable. Others may have been upset due to potential spoilers i'm not going to reveal anything because some people don't like to read into edits and other stuff but if you were to go on social media and twitter you would see some people kind of knew what the result was going to be but even you if you put that aside i'm still loving the season i think it was a felt like more of a classic episode in a way you know people talking there's a clear target there's scrambling that happens so I'm excited to break it down. But like you said, Dylan, if we start at the beginning, we open up at Vati after Tribal Council. And I like this because we got a segment on how most of the tribe, except for Lydia, how most of the tribe reacted after the fallout of the vote. Yeah, I I mean, this is what I expected was going to happen. I think it was so funny. Daniel comes back and is like, and is all like, oh, let's let's just all go to sleep. Let's all go to sleep, right? <laughs> you know, he tried to try to minimize damage and ever, you know, nobody was really going for that. Uh, and Chanel's like, no, nope. Yeah, yeah. You know, obviously Daniel was, you know, you can't, you can't just uh, almost go to rocks and then go right to sleep after that, of course. So I thought, it, I thought that was pretty funny. You know, Daniel's, Daniel's a great character. I think, you know, I still think he has a lot of potential in this game, but, you know, just a great character as well. So that was really funny to see. I want to give Chanel a little bit of credit because even Daniel, you know, kind of described, gave her credit in one of his confessionals. And he said, Chanel somehow got through all this with like minimal damage control. And like, I threw her under the bus. Yes. But like, also like, and Chanel even admits like, yes, it was my idea to vote out Lydia. Like she completely escaped like all it looked like it looked like we again we only see a small edit um it looked like she escaped all damage from this one and that most of the blame was falling on daniel um i am kind of i'm a little bit surprised i thought chanel was gonna be maybe in a little bit more trouble than daniel some people thought daniel was gonna be in more trouble it's pretty clear daniel's in more trouble after this yeah i mean like chanel and i, I think this kind of w went into her confessional from last week where even though it didn't go great for her and daniel because she said the whole thing about i have a good social game i can kind of you know dictate the way i want the vote to go even though i don't have a vote 
And even though that didn't happen, I think you kind of see her social game playing dividends here where, like you mentioned, people are more mad at Daniel than they are her. And it's so interesting because Daniel and Chanel were in such a good spot for the first few episodes. They were at like, some somebody said on a podcast, they essentially were at like the top of that summit because they, you know, they were in the middle. Everyone wanted to work with them. No one was gunning for them. And then as the episode went on, they kind of went down and down and down and down the hill. And now they're just kind of, you know, in a really bad spot because now Mike doesn't trust Daniel at all. And he's very mad at Daniel because it wasn't bad enough that Daniel got pretty exposed at Tribal with Chanel. Then he wants to go to sleep and Chanel says, okay, well, I didn't say anything bad at Tribal. And Mike, Daniel told me you had, you lost your vote because you found an advantage. And Mike's like, what the hell, Daniel? So he's mad at that. And then Hi is now saying to Mike, you know, Mike, you can come in with me and Lydia will be a new three, put Daniel and Chanel on the outs. And Mike is totally good with that. So like we saw last week, Hi and Lydia went from the bottom to the top and Chanel and Daniel kind of went from the top all the way down to the bottom. So we'll see what happens if Green loses again. Yeah, and it's pretty clear, like you said, they completely flipped it. High and Lydia are at the top now. Everyone's running to work with them. Um, it seems like they've kind of made it seem like Mike is going to be pretty in tight with High and Lydia. I think Mike is Mike is really, really good. Like, he ha- he has it all. Like, you, you were kind of describing to me, we were, we were talking about Jonathan and how he's so good at challenges and how there's not really a close second. Like, if there was to be a second on the season, it would probably be Mike. Um, even at 57 years old, Mike does a, you know, does a pretty good job with challenges and he's also a great, great social player. Like we're clearly seeing that everyone likes Mike. Um, clearly it didn't really matter, um, that, that, you know, it didn't really matter to Mike that Jenny was voted out in, in the way that he handled it. He was like, I understand it's survivor. Somebody has to get voted out. And then he kind of just went right to high. And it seems like that they are, they're pretty tight now. So I'm pretty sure Mike is in tight with that. With you know, it's them three now. Hi, Lydia and Mike. It's just going to be next time they are to go to tribal. If they do go to tribal, I think it's going to be a case of um, who do we keep, Chanel or Daniel? Um, and yeah, I I, I want to give Mike credit as well because he loses his number one ally and immediately bounced back as well. Yeah, I mean, I I think that we've um, been pretty happy with Mike overall. I mean, the biggest knock we had on him was that he kind of. Uh... <laughs> you know, lost the idol at first, but at least he found it. So no, I mean, I think people are liking Mike as a character, kind of like Jonathan, people had certain perceptions of him before the season. And we've all been, I guess, pleasantly surprised in how Mike has turned out. Um, And yeah, no, I I mean, I really like seeing Mike on the show. Um, And even though we'll get to the the blue tribe Ika, because they kind of take up most of the episode this week, um, because they're the hot mess tribe. I feel like the dynamics at the green tribe bots here are very interesting as well. Cause like, you know, it's mostly, you know, Kumbaya at Taku, the orange tribe, but you know, it's, there's so many moving parts at Bati cause now the pairs have kind of broken up and there's a lot of shifting. So I guess we'll see what happens. Yeah. I, I think, you know, you, you know, it is, it is weird. The tribe dynamics is like, we have like the upper echelon, which is Taku. They're dominating every challenge. They are, you know, it seems like they're a tight four. They, they say they're a tight four. They're kind of mad at Jonathan. And we'll talk about that because he announced that they were a tight four. And then you have a little bit lower down, which is Vati, who just had like a complete mess of tribal, but is kind of recovering. And then we have Ika, who basically seems like they're 1v1v1v1v1. <laughs> like like that is, uh, Ika is one of the weirdest tribal dynamics I've seen in a while. And I'm excited to, well, you know, excited to get to that. We're going to get to that in a little bit, though. Yeah. So then after we um, get to the um, the fallout from Tribal Council, we go right into a challenge. Now, I had a feeling it was going to be a reward challenge because even last week when we got the early water challenge, it wasn't even this early. So this, this, was our, this was our first reward challenge of the season, right? 
It was, which is why I said at the start, I feel like this was more of a classic episode where you have a reward challenge, you have an immunity challenge, there's a straightforward vote, but then it kind of flips on someone else. So it felt very classic Survivor tonight, which I'm always I'm always a big fan of. Not at all about the advantages, except for the shot in the dark, really. But yeah, no, we get right to the reward challenge. And Dylan, the only thing that I can say about this challenge is Jonathan. I, I mean, that's the only thing I, I can say about challenge. Yeah, I, I was gonna I was gonna say I feel like they only included this reward challenge just to show how dominant Jonathan is. And, like, and, and yeah, go ahead. Yeah, and, and you know, we got his backstory right after this, which his backstory was basically like I've been working out like crazy since I'm three years old. I've been, you know, ultra competitive in my family, competing with my brother, doing pull-ups at three years old. My dad would force me to run up a hill if I lost my brother three times in a row. Like this, like I feel like they strictly showed this reward challenge because like everybody who is a big fan of the show, everybody who watches the show consistently knows that um there are some at this point in Survivor in you know modern day. Uh, season 42 there's some reward challenges uh in the season that happened and they don't end up showing them like we don't see every reward challenge because they can't possibly yeah. fit in every reward challenge and every immunity challenge obviously they have to show the immunity challenges because that determines who goes home and who is safe they don't have to show the reward challenges so there are several reward challenges that us as viewers don't see and i thought it was weird for them to show like a five minute challenge that was completely dominated i strictly think the reason was to build up taku in this storyline of a strong four build up mm -hmm. jonathan as the biggest threat on the season very clearly and we heard everyone had pretty strong things to say tori was basically saying he they had they're winning you know drea said up he did it all for them tori tori said uh you know we have this goliath figure over there and you know they blew them out in this challenge and, and you know jeff said they went abnormally fast it wasn't just you know the other tribes going slow yeah i mean again like we're seeing it's not even close the only reason they're down to four is because jackson got medevaced and because they lost the blindfold challenge by a second and I honestly think that's because they, they made the mistake of putting Jonathan on the puzzle. I know he has the loudest voice, so that's why they did it. But if they didn't do that, I think they would have won that too. They are, and we, I said this before the season, that this tribe is by far and away because of Jonathan, because no one can compare to him. They are by far and away the most physically fit uh, tribe this season. Also, thanks to Lindsay and, you know, Marianne and Omar are good at puzzles as well. So it's not even close. I think you're right that. We've heard from other interviews and podcasts from former players. Oh, we did this whole challenge and they didn't even show it. And I think they showed it, like you mentioned, to, to highlight Jonathan not only beasting it out again, but the, the other tribes are verbally saying, how did they go so fast? Oh, right. They have Jonathan. That, that's why. And then Jonathan gets back to camp and he's like, oh, you know, you know, they're calling me Goliath. I don't like this. You know, every, all the eyes are on me. So... If, if we can talk about Jonathan just a little bit more before we get back to other camps and strategies, like you and I were texting and we were saying, what do we think this means for Jonathan? Cause it's a very interesting and weird edit. Cause we get his backstory that, you know, he's been working out his whole life. He obviously holds the world's record for most pull-ups with a hundred pounds on his back. And we don't even get his backstory. We get flashbacks to every challenge this season where he's pulling the boat with one hand. He's being a lifeguard and he's saving people from the water. He's doing everything. And you and I have different approaches on what we think is going to happen here. I mean, we both think he's going to make the merge. But at that point, what happens to him? My two thoughts was either they're setting him up for a big fall, maybe like a mayor of Slamtown where he's a big figure, he makes the merge, and then he gets blindsided in a, in a big fashion. Or the less likely one, but I still think it's an interesting comparison, is like a Russell Swan in Samoa where Jonathan is pushing himself so, so hard. Now, granted, they're, I think they're eating well, and I think he's 
hopefully resting. So I don't think it's going to happen, but someone who pushes themselves so hard that they either get medevaced or they, you know, wipe themselves out because they just can't push themselves anymore. Yeah, I, I think that that last one is probably the least likely scenario, especially because they just won the fish reward, which was a lot of food. So I like to think that he he's eating well, you know, he's in a good spot there. Um, I think I think it's just building. I think it was, this was just an editing tactic on a not so exciting episode of Survivor, especially compared to last week. I think it was just an editing tactic to build Taku and build Jonathan up as the biggest threats in the season possibly people that we could see make a run to final seven or so, or maybe even all, all four of them together. I think they are going to be a force to be reckoned with. Um, but also we, we kind of got an interesting tidbit from Omar uh, or I, I should say o- Omar is how you pronounce his name. Sorry, yeah, Omar, yeah. Mm-hmm. yeah. So Omar um, where he was him and Marianne were kind of disappointed that Jonathan kind of like announced to everybody that they were such a tight four um, to me at first. I was like, I was like, that is kind of weird that they're mad about that. Like, I mean, it's pretty apparent that they're tight. Like they dominate every challenges. They're working really well together. Like, I don't think that him announcing it, it kind of just said the obvious. It wasn't, you know, like I, I think they were met, they were a little bit annoyed with him because they just think, didn't think it was like necessary for him to add on to even being that big of a threat. Um, look, we all know that even if they're mad, they have to keep Jonathan no matter what, because, and first of all, Omer doesn't have a vote the next time he goes to tribal council. Second of all, Marianne doesn't have a vote until all of them are activated. So it's not even like they have a choice to get rid of him. He's going to be there likely until the merge. I think that this edit or this episode is kind of just building him up to, you know, I I don't think there's going to be a major villain on this season. It doesn't seem, I think they're kind of just building him up to be the obstacle that people have to overcome. And maybe that is the villain of the season. Is Jonathan the monster? Yeah. Is is Jonathan the monster? Is he's, is, is the version of a villain on the season, somebody who's just so good at everything that nobody could beat him. I'm curious what's going to happen when they get to individual immunity challenges, because if there's any kind of obstacle course, any kind of swimming, he, he will, he will dominate, but we've seen that he, he, he does, he's not a good puzzle person. So if there is a puzzle involved, I think he could struggle. Uh, We haven't really seen what he could do in terms of balance yet. So I think that there's, you know, certain things that he could struggle with. We've yet to see that. I don't think, I think it's unlikely that he's just going to go on a massive immunity run, but if they keep him in the game for whatever reason, then I think it's possible he could, you know, win five or so. So I think that, I think, I think basically this, the point of all this was simply to build him up as a massive, massive threat on the season, which we all know that he is. And I think that, you know, last week's episode was such a, you know, and, and it kind of got overshadowed by the fact that tribal was insane. Like Jonathan had maybe the best individual, uh, had the best individual performance in a team immunity challenge last week. And we kind of just glossed over it because the, they, they almost went to rocks at tribal council. Like this, this is probably the closest thing we've seen to James in a very, very long time. <laughs> a, a James Clement reference. Um, yeah. but no, but like, like you're saying, it's, um, it's going to be interesting to see, you know, what happens with Jonathan. Cause I think if they keep him around or, you know, when he gets, when he, when he inevitably, inevitably gets to the merge, I do think he will win a, a handful of challenges. I mean, again, like we heard Daniel say from the sidelines today, the puzzle is the great equalizer. That's a, a common thing people say, because you could dominate all the way up until the end, but if you can't do a puzzle, you're not going to win some of these challenges. So he might struggle with that. Cause it seems like we have some good puzzle solvers on this season. Um, including Omar and Marianne on, from his own tribe. So 
but I think if it's endurance or if it's a physical based challenge, I think he's got it in the bag by far. Um, but yeah, the last thing I'll say about Taku is because I mean, this is really the last thing we see of them this episode because then it focuses on the challenge and everything that happens at Ika, which we still need to get to. Um, but yeah, no, at first you think to yourself, like, why is like, why are they upset that he said we're a top a type four? Like, that seems natural, right? I mean, like you guys have, um, you guys had to suffer through the Jackson medevac and then you, you lost Mariah. So, you know, you're going to be close, but it kind of goes back to when Tony and Kageyama was like, you know, top five, top five, top five, baby. Like you don't want to show your hand where you, you don't want people to, you, you kind of want people to think like, oh, you know, we're, we're getting along, but you know, we're not like a tight, tight group because that opens the door at the merge where now green and blue can say, okay, well, they're a type four. They're not going to split up at all. Let's gang up and take them out. We see this a lot with three tribe seasons where two tribes will sometimes come together and they'll kind of try to pick off the third in a way. Uh, so I can see why they're upset. I mean, Jonathan clearly wasn't thinking about that, but I mean, this is clearly the closest tribe. And then you had the green tribe with some close pairs and then blue is hot mess express. So it'll be interesting to see what happens. Um, and does Taku get targeted at the merge because of something like this? Yeah, and, and you mentioned uh, Ika, the Blue Tribe, being Hot Mess Express, as you said. Let's get to them because they did end up going to Tribal Council tonight. And we do, after this whole Taku thing, being a reward, we go to Ika. And we see that Swathi, Swathi and Tori are aligned, which is interesting given the way that everything played out at the end of today's episode. Yeah. They're aligned at first. Swathi tells Tori that the group was targeting her next. Swathi wants a power shift. You know, she they she wants they want to try to bring in Roxroy to be the strong three. Um, and they want to try to take out Drea. So I just want to point out one more time. I am I was in such shock. You know, I mentioned this a few weeks ago, is that Drea presented the idea of the all all girls alliance. She she literally said she wanted to work with Swathi and Tori. She told them the advantages they, that she had, and she and and you know that she had the extra vote. Why would Swati and Tori not just team up with them and just take Drea as a shield as far as they could take her? She's going to be a strong player. She has the advantages. They could use the advantages to their power. Why not just team up in that all-girls alliance? And the truth is, is that I, I tweeted this from our account. I said that the, the, the reason that you get a Ika tribe where it's complete chaos, they are literally the tribe of chaos. Like I said, it's literally 1v1v1 or like 2v1v1 v1 like they're they're basically all on their own everything's changing every episode everyone is stabbing each other in the back everybody's lying to each other the reason you get this is because you get players like swathi and tori who are simply overplaying right away and they're just they're not doing the simple things to get to the merge they're instead just trying to take out the biggest threats and make the big move right away for example we've seen tori throw out drea's name several times we've seen swathi throw out drea's name several times why not just take Dre afar and then keep that in your back pocket? Keep that in your back pocket, and you know, create a sub alliance within that all girls alliance. And you know, maybe Swathi and Tori are really a two, but they take Dre in until the merge. Like that is something that I don't understand. As a result, we get them trying to bring in, as you described, the bossy Roxroy um, to work with them in order to get out Dre, and it did not work out well. I, I think it, it just comes back to what we saw early in the season and what we've heard from exit interviews. Like, I guess technically at this point, only Zach came out from that tribe. But um, like, I just think what we didn't really see is that Tori and Drea just, they, they can't get on the same page. And I think that it makes sense from a, you know, armchair quarterback perspective where it's like, yeah, I mean, why don't why don't the girls just get a majority and take out Roxroy if he's being bossy? And, you know, you get the numbers that way. And Tori, you can go from the bottom to the top. I just don't think... 
Tori and Drea can trust each other. And as we see later this episode, it turns out they can't trust Swathi either. Um, and it, it's just such a mess in a way too, because then Swathi's like, you know, we should work with Roxroy to take out Drea. And Tori's like, he's so annoying. He's so bossy. And, you know, you and I were texting about Roxroy and we're just like, it's such an interesting character. Um, he re reminds me of like an old school player where he's all about the shelter, all about strength, all about loyalty. He rubs people the wrong way. I mean, I, I could maybe list like five or 10, five to 10 people that he reminds me of from early seasons, but it, it's like they took Roxroy from season two and they just like plopped him in season 42. It's so interesting to watch. And, and that's probably the reason why he was cast on the season is because there hasn't been a, a Roxroy in a little bit. And I really think, I think Tori did. So I want give, to give Tori credit. I, I think she did a good job. And again, we saw that this backfired right in her face. And again, I want to preface it by saying this. I thought she, I thought she made oh. a, I thought she made a pretty good attempt at, at, at trying to get Roxroy in. She told him everything that, you know, you would think that a Roxroy would want to hear that, you know, if you weren't, if you weren't on our tribe, we'd be in trouble. Um, you know, Drea, she told me she has the extra vote, but, and you know, that was where she probably took it a step too far, but you know, you would think that like, I, I think that given her attempt and again, I, I think that Swathi and Tori should have just done the simple plan and gone with Drea and that would have helped them both. However, they didn't want to do that. They wanted to get at Drea. So given given the hand they were dealt, I think Tori did a decent job. But once Roxroy ran went and ran and told Drea about what, what happened with Tori, it was like that was all hope was lost for working with Roxroy. Like that that was it. Like that was the final straw. We've seen, you know, weeks, weeks and weeks now where with with Roxroy, where they're kind of painting him out to be the person that everyone's having a hard time working with people just wanted him to stop talking. He's, you know, kind of being bossy. This was kind of the, the last straw in my opinion of people trying to work with Roxroy. And we even see, and we can talk about this later on is that tonight three uh, Swathi users shot in the dark. So she didn't have a vote. Three votes went on Swathi and one vote went on Tori. And for whatever reason, Roxroy seemingly knew, probably knew Tori was go uh, probably knew Swathi was going home. And instead of threw the vote on Tori, and now it's clear that Roxroy is on the outside and Tori, uh, obviously this could change because, you know, this tribe is a disaster, but Drea, Romeo and Tori were the, were the strong three in this boat and Roxroy was on the outside. So I'm not really sure what Roxroy's game plan is going forward. He kind of just seems to be doing whatever he wants to do. He's not really thinking about thinking about the future at all. Um, but like you said, I think it's always interesting to see an old school player dropped in a new school environment. Yeah, I mean, I, and I think the thing is that um, we saw from the first episode that Roxroy, uh, um, Drea, and Romeo had a tight alliance. Um, they kind of bonded as the older members of the tribe, whereas, you know, the younger members also made a little group as well. And yeah, I mean, Tori, I mean, listen, she's trying her best. I mean, I mean, we've said, we, I think we've been saying for weeks, Tori's on the bottom here. And at this point, I, I'm not sure what we need to change, but I don't know if I see a path for Tori to win at this point. She just seems so on the outs just in general and i think every time she tries to make a move people like either see right through it or they run it right back and you think oh she'll make some some leeway here to take out drea and then nope rocks roy just runs it right back to drea and now they want to take her out again um it's just you know it's just so interesting um and you know like to, i i would need to find a good comparison for this but tori is kind of like that cat with nine lives where you know you think she's gonna get out and then she survives and then she's in trouble again and she survives but i feel like it's not gonna last forever i don't know how far she'll get but it's just so interesting to see you know this tribe and their ever-shifting uh dynamics 
Yeah, and I, you know, we'll get to the immunity challenge quick here before we get back to Ika. Um, you know, we have the immunity challenge. Taku once again cruises to win. Jonathan basically single-handedly swimming a boat by himself, pulling yeah. a boat, and then the, the, you know, he gave them so much time. Omer, credit to Omer, uh, Omer, Marianne, um, got the got the puzzle done pretty quickly. They did, you know, we've seen that fish puzzle before. It's not an easy one, and they they did the smart thing, which was do it on like the floor first, and then kind of just like put it up. Um, so good job by them to get that done. Um, we see Ika kind of choke away a pretty decent sized lead here. Um, again, just a hot mess of a tribe. Like I can't, I can't just, I, I feel like every single time I watch them, I feel like they're going to lose. Like I, I, I never feel like they're actually going to win a challenge. Obviously we've seen them kind of get away with it the last few weeks. Um, but they didn't get away with it this time. Vati comes back and beats them. Not a ton to talk about with this challenge in my well... opinion. Other than Lydia, I, I feel I feel bad. I, it's just like Heather from last season. I don't want to laugh at anybody out there because who knows how you know how we would do. But to see her try to jump for it and just miss both times just was it was you know sad but funny. Um, the only other thing I will say about this challenge before we move on, other than Lydia struggling to get the pieces, is that Daniel keeps sitting out, and I think that you know the shoulder is you know as they keep mentioning it's kind of looming large here where you would think Daniel, because I think he is good at puzzles would have been in this challenge in some regard, but I just think because we've had two water challenges in a row and then, you know, that whole challenge where they were blindfolded, he's been sitting out the most this season so far, even more than Lydia has. And I just wonder if, um, I just wonder if, you know, like his shoulders still bothering him. Like, I'm not sure if, you know, Vati loses next week, if they'll vote him out because they can't trust him or if his shoulders hurting him and he's a liability and challenges. But that's something I've noticed where, you know, it's polar opposites. Jonathan's doing everything and Daniel has just been doing nothing because he's been, you know, sitting out all the time. Yeah, and we kind of see in the preview of next week, High seems to catch on to it that his shoulder is, you know, why is he fishing if his shoulder's hurting? So we'll see what happens with that. Um, I'm kind of curious. Um, but yeah, let's get back to Ika and talk more about the disaster on that tribe. Uh, so, you know, we get back there. Um, it seems like Tori's going to be the easy vote. Now, normally those who have been watching Survivor know that the person who always seems like the easy vote uh, doesn't. It, it's pretty rare at this point in New School Survivor that the easy vote ends up being the actual vote. Um, and I, I, I'm not really sure how this how this all came about. You could tell me if I, if I'm wrong, but like. Sure. Everyone kind of just realized, I think Tori was doing some scrambling to try to save herself. And everyone kind of just realized that Swathi had been telling every single person on the tribe that she was their number one. And mm-hmm. I thought that was genius editing. We've seen that editing before. Now I'll let you, I'll let you take, uh, take that one. But clearly uh, people caught on to it and that's never a good thing to be caught on. Yeah. So, and listen, obviously, again, this is an edited show, so we don't know everything that goes on, every conversation that happens. They show us the narrative that they want to show us so we can understand why someone lost and why someone got voted out. Like, that's basically what Survivor is. So, what we see from flashbacks is Swathi saying to multiple people, to Tori, to Romeo, to Drea, and I guarantee you, she said it to Roxroy as well, I'm your number one. Now, the comparison that we you were hinting at that I said was this gave me big vibes from Aubrey in Edge of Extinction. And, and I love Aubrey. I think Aubrey's an amazing player, but we saw that Edge of Extinction didn't quite go her way. And the clip that they showed for her was she said to a lot of people on the tribe, I want to start a dialogue. I want us to have a dialogue. I want to have a dialogue with you. And again, I don't know if like this is a life lesson where, you know, 
we should tell people, you know, change your phrasing for each person. Like you're my number one. I, I want to go far with you. I really like you. I want to be with you in this game. Like if you change it up, maybe it doesn't sound as forced or as manufactured, but clearly this tribe felt that Swathi was giving them all the same pitch and they couldn't trust her. And I think tonight came down to, I don't want to say, say like the evil they know and the evil they don't know. I think that's too harsh, but it's kind of like they kind of know Tori and they know Tori can't be trusted and Tori's kind of playing sloppy and they can kind of keep her where they can see her. And they've maybe felt like if we let Swathi sneak by, we don't know what she can pull and she might be a bit more devious than Tori and we can, we can keep Tori more in check than we can keep Swathi in check because she's running behind her back and playing both sides. So I think that's what it came down to tonight. Just, you know, the person they could trust, I guess, the least versus the person who they don't trust at all. But like, I know where they're coming from. Yeah, I also think there's there's some portion of it where they were like, like, well, they didn't really know that Swathi was, we knew as viewers that Swathi kind of, she had a few confessionals where it seems like she's kind of playing, you know, pretty hard, even though she has not been loud about it. But they mentioned that she's been shy. She doesn't talk a lot. I don't think they really knew that she was playing hard. And I think it was like a huge, huge, uh, huge alarm to them once they figured out that she was kind of playing hard quietly. They thought that was dangerous. Whereas Tori, she's been on the bottom the whole time where she's just desperate to find people. So I feel like she will listen to them until she can anymore. They could probably control her um, a little bit more than possibly Swathi, if you get what I mean. Like she didn't, Tori doesn't really have anywhere to go. They could have just voted her out. But it turns, but like Swathi could have been the stealth, the stealth person who did everything quietly and had the quiet blind side. They kind of realized that she was, you know, smartly playing quietly. Um, and I don't really think Swathi did anything like that wrong. I think, I think she just got caught in a, you know, she, like, like I'm sure plenty of players do what she did. She just happened to get caught in it because they got voted out because everybody seemed to be telling each other everything. And I think that's kind of one thing is like when you get these disaster tribes, I think some players here have a lot of potential. I think that a lot of the potential is potentially being masked by the fact that they're all together on like what is now a disaster tribe. So for example, those who have been watching this podcast know that we were high on Tori from preseason press. I think she has potential, but like you said, she's been playing very sloppy and this is not the, this is not the tribe where if you do one sloppy thing, you could recover from it and just kind of just, mold with another group there's not really any groups or alliances on this tribe like i said it's kind of every man for themselves so once you are playing sloppy and everybody's kind of playing sloppy you can't really recover nicely it's like you kind of you kind of go into like an avalanche you're just everything you're doing is just all over the place and that's kind of where i feel like tori was stuck right now um and we'll see if tori can recover i think now she finally may have a window where it looks like Roxroy is kind of, you know, his days could be numbered. People could just be annoyed with him. I think that he could be an easy vote if they lose again, but we'll see what happens. Um, and yeah, I'm, I'm curious. We, we, we actually, we did not mention yet about the shot in the dark played at tribal council. Yeah. I mean, I mean, I mean, I guess if we can go to tribal council and then we can circle back to, you know, a few other things about Ika, but yeah, no, I mean the shot in the dark, it hasn't worked yet. I, I technically it's 0 for 3 this season and 0 for 4 if you count Sydney last season. But probab probability says it's going to happen at some point. So at some point this season, I guarantee you it's going to happen. We saw one last season in like what? we Out of all 13 episodes, we saw it happen once and it took six episodes to get there. And I think what we heard from people in interviews from like Evie or Tiffany or 
you know, Erica, like whoever it was that made the merge in uh, 41, that when they saw Sydney's shot in the dark fail and she, it kind of got her sent home in a way, everyone was too scared to play there, which is why we never saw it again. And we didn't see it in the pre-merge because Shannon Ricard kind of missed it, everybody. And they didn't think they had to play it this season. We've seen it being played once per tribe. So once on orange, green, and blue. So I'll be curious to see if it comes back out again in the pre-merge or if someone tries their luck in the post-merge. Um, but yeah, no, Swathi clearly knew that she knew it was between her and Tori. And I think in her mind, she knew she had Rox Roy's votes to get out Tori. So either way, it would have been three to two. She probably felt that she didn't have Romeo or Drea. I think, it, I think Swathi, even though she's young, I think she's shown to be a little perceptive. I think she kind of got a sense that, and this is what makes a, a good player where you can, like I said earlier in the, in this uh, season, when you, when people talk to you days ago and they, and you're having a good conversation, you're looking each other in the eye, everything feels normal. And then right before tribal or the day of tribal, you get a, a vibe where they're not looking you in the eye. They're not talking to you the same way. They're kind of putting on an act where it seems unnecessary. And Swathi clearly picked up on that because Drea and Tori don't like each other and they're having a long conversation before tribal. And she says to Romeo, does something change what's going on? And he kind of was like, I don't think anything's going on. He kind of just fluffed it off. And I think she knew I may not have the votes tonight, so I got to play it. So again, like with Mariah and Zach, kudos to Swathi for not going home with it and for at least giving it a shot to see if it would work. But I think it'll ha it'll happen at some point. It has to. Yeah. Yeah, I, I, I do. Um, I, I agree with that. I think the shot the shot in the dark is, is going to eventually happen. And when it does, it's going to be beautiful. Like, it's going to be a great episode. I, I, I have to I, say... I, I have to say I, also, I, I, yeah, go ahead. I was going to say they're doing a really good job like editing it because I always like, I always get like, uh, I always get so nervous as he's like overturned, as Jeff's like overturning the paper. Like you feel like that if this happens post-merge, it's going to be an epic tribal council. Well, that's what I was going to say where I'm happy they made a change. I don't know if Jeff said something or if the production team said something, but um, I wish I had some paper to open up here. Like I was see like this napkin or something like opening up the thing, but you know, Sydney did it herself. And Zach did it himself. And then all of a sudden we see Mariah give it to Jeff and Swathi gives it to Jeff or Jeff got it like himself. It's better when Jeff reads it. I don't like when they were reading it. They're kind of like opening it up and you're like, oh, how's it going to happen? Jeff is a master of timing. Jeff knows what yeah. he's doing. So when they give it to Jeff and Jeff's like, you are not like not safe. Like you're like, oh my God. So I'm happy they made that production change to make Jeff read it. I think it makes it more exciting than the players trying to fumble and open it themselves. But um. No, I, I still think it's a good twist. I, I don't think we've seen it play out horribly yet. People will complain when it, you know, screws somebody over. But people have been using it, so I'm excited to see it happen again. Um, but other than that, I guess all I have to say left about this episode before we get to questions is I think it's so interesting with Ika how everybody is, you know, trying to, like you said, like the hot mess, everyone's trying to do something and then it just keeps coming back in a whole circle where, you know, we see before tribal that, you know, Tori goes to Roxroy and says, Hey, Drea has an extra vote and Roxroy runs it right back to Drea. And now Tori looks bad. Then we see after the challenge, Tori and Romeo are chatting in the water and Tori says, I'm, I'm sorry. And then Romeo says like, so I heard that, you know, you told uh, uh, Rox about the extra votes. And then Tori goes, well, yeah, because Swafi told me I'm on the outs with you four. And then he's like, oh, she told you that? And then they run back to each other. And then they said, well, she, I, she said, I'm her number one. Uh, she told me I, I was her number one. And then, like, every time someone on this tribe opens their mouth, it just comes right back in a circle. So it's really interesting to see. 
I think I think this is the one thing that you and I differ on where you know you think that rocks might be on the bottom and going home next week. I still think if this tribe loses, I still think Tori's on the bottom. Now she's kind of escaped twice, so it could happen a third time. But it seems like Drea and Romeo are very close. Drea and Romeo are the closest two on this tribe. Rock seems to be close with them, but kind of voted differently this episode, and maybe he got a little duped potentially. We'll see from the edit next week. But unless something changes, I gotta think Tori's still on the bottom on this tribe. Yeah, I well, I think that, but I, I'm getting a weird vibe by the way Tori's being edited. Like you said, we feel like we've seen this character before. We feel like we've seen this edit before of like, like you said, the cat with nine lives. You've spoken about this in previous podcasts. Like we've seen this. I feel like I've seen people compare Tori to an Angelina where like she's kind of on the chopping block. Like we feel like every single time and somehow she kind of just keeps escaping, keeps escaping, keeps escaping. Now, I don't think Tori's going that far, going like as far as Angelina did, but it, you know, even with like a Nora, we saw Nora every single week. She, she was a complete mess. And every single week they were like, oh, well, do we have to vote at Nora? Do we have to vote at Nora? Nora kind of just creeps all the way, all the way, you know, far into the game. Um, so I, I feel like we've seen this type of player before. The question is like, is Tori going to be like this the whole time? Or is she going to get her footing? Or is they just going to end up finally cutting her loose? Like that's, that's where I, I don't know. Um, and I, we were also talking about this before the, before the, uh, the podcast tonight. It feels a little bit like like this this season could use a tribe swap. I don't I I don't like that. Obviously we know we're we're not going to get a tribe swap. We knew we weren't going to get a tribe swap last season. In seasons before that in the 30s, we had seen constant constant tribe swaps pre-merge and you know sometimes it's a little bit too much. Um sometimes I think though that you know you could benefit from a tribe swap. Right now it seems like Taku is going to just blow through everybody in the immunity challenges. That's a strong four. That's not going to fracture. You know, then you have, uh, then you have the green tribe where it seems like that's like the only like traditional, I would say tribe left. Like you have one completely overpowered. You have one that's like kind of normal, but like kind of fractured. And then you have blue, which was like, was never together in the first place. And they're all just like for themselves. I, and again, I, I know we have the merge coming in like probably two episodes from now. But yeah, I, I think this this season could use a tribe swap at the moment. But if we get an early merge like we did last season, I think it's fine. Um, yes, so I'm, I'm sorry. I'm curious to see how it all plays out because I think that once these these tribes merge, I think that every single person in blue is just going to go find new alliances right away. Yeah, we were talking before the podcast, and we said how with survivor we kind of want uh, a balance you know across some seasons where if, if every single season had a tribe swap i think it would get a bit predictable and boring and people can plan for it like always oh, going to happen on episode three and you know people can get swap screwed so it's not great to see it all the time now having said that it's not great to have like the same i'm sorry have every season have no tribe swaps because you know you know or, you know, I think that's why they introduced it in season three in Africa, because, you know, seasons one and two, you know, the first two seasons of Survivor, people kind of got used to it. Okay, we can start planning for this. If we get to the tribe with the numbers, we'll just pagong and pick people off one by one. And then they said in season three, eh, we're going to throw you a curveball and we're going to swap things up and see how that shakes up the tribe dynamics and people might flip then. So I think this is where you need a balance where now in 41 and 42, we've seen two straight seasons of no swaps, which I'm okay with. But next season for 43, I would love for them to go back to a swap to kind of see how that shakes up the, the, the dynamics of the season. Um, and, I, and I think like you were saying as well, uh, sometimes it can lead, lead to, you know, some staleness. I think this episode was good overall, probably the most 
calm of the four so far because the premiere had a lot to it. Last week was insane, and then actually, I, I guess this, I guess this week was a bit more interesting than, than the Mar- Mariah vote. But still, I mean, I think this episode overall was pretty good. I think a swap would shake things up, but I think, like you mentioned, we're at thirteen. The merge is either not next week. The merge is either the week following or one following that. So we're going to be close to some shakeups soon. Yeah, and uh, Christian in the chat here says that there's a two-hour episode on April 13th. So if that is in fact Ooh. true, if that is in fact true, then I would guess that we're getting... Oh, yep, that I makes would, sense. Then I would guess we're getting some kind of merge then. It's happening um, then. That would be the merge episode. Um, yeah, I, I think it's going to be it's gonna be pretty interesting to see what happens. Now, the one thing I want to talk about before we have not got, you know, before we get to questions is that we still have not seen the idols activated because the blue tribe, nobody has found it. Now there's only four players left that could potentially find the idol and the season within the first minute of the season, when they showed the pre basically they showed a preview of the season in the first minute of the season. And they actually, they actually showed who it looked like who was going to pick up the idol. I don't want to say who it's going to be in case you did not catch up, catch up on that, but it's pretty widely spread. Like everyone, you know, seems to have picked up on it. So if that does in fact happen and it was not an editing trick or a producer that was holding the idol, then I think, you know, it'll be, it'll be interesting to see what happens. And I think that, you know, we're running out of time. So I would think we're going to get the idols activated probably next, probably next week because the merge is happening in two weeks. We think. Yeah. I mean, I'm happy Christian pointed that out because the math makes sense. If we're at 13 heading into April 6th, which is next Wednesday, we then go down to 12. You then have a two hour, two hour episode on the 13th, which could be the merge or whatever they do for the merge this season. So I got to think whoever that we know who it was, but whoever finds it next week, it's going to happen next week. It it absolutely has to at this point. And you know, as soon as you know, you know, Marianne's going to say it again, because now she's just saying it every time. I'm wondering if, uh, I wonder if people are picking up on it. I, I don't think people are because obviously we won't know this until after the game probably, but I don't think people are really picking up on it because she just talks a lot. So I think, you know, people are just like, whatever, maybe next time when she says it the third time people will pick up on it because we know that if, if as soon as, you know, we're kind of running out of time for people to say it, as soon as she says it next time, Marianne, I would think that whoever finds it on blue is going to say it. And then I would think that is when Mike will finally strike and say it. Mike gets his vote back. That tribe immediately becomes more interesting now that instead of maybe, you know, that tribe immediately becomes interesting with Mike having his vote back and the idol now. Marianne would have an idol and her vote back. And then Omer would be the only one not able to vote there. So if they, God forbid, lose, I don't think that's going to happen. But if they, God forbid, lose, uh, then that would be interesting. So, I, you know, like like normal, three idols getting put into the game uh, is a big change. So I'm yeah. curious to see when that happens. Yeah, Mike, uh, like we saw, Mike is said, I'm not saying anything until I know the other two tribes have theirs, and then I'll say mine to activate it. Mike is waiting as long as possible. Uh, the thing that's interesting is, you know, you know, he can't trust Daniel anymore, clearly, but he told Daniel when he found his idol, I'll be curious if he starts to trust Ty and Lydia more. Mike knows what the phrases are, because the phrases are on his parchment, so he knows Marianne has it. They Blue hasn't found it yet, but I'm curious if at some point when he says his phrase or when blue finds theirs as well, I'm curious if he'll tell his new Alliance. Oh, I have this. Well, I mean, I mean, at this point they all know that he has it, but I'm wondering if, you know, he'll tell them, you know, that, Oh, I know that she has it because this is the phrase. So it'll be interesting to see how Mike plays it because if we're going to go off of our theory, if the person on blue finds it next week, they're going to say it because I think they would need it. Uh, Marianne is going to say it. And then at that point, Mike will say it. And then they'll all be active at that point. 
Yeah, and I think we had kind of untapped potential in 41 with this this three these three idols. Like it was kind of like none of the idols were really used. I don't think any of the idols were like really used at all. We're none none, used, none right? were used. None were used. So we had all this. Everyone kind of knew where they were, and that was it. I think that this cast has kind of shown better adaptation to the twists than 41 already. So I'm curious to see how they adapt to this new twist um, and where and knowing where the idols are, because I think you could get pretty creative with things. So we'll have to see what happens. Yeah. Um, and before we get to questions, do you have anything else about the episode? Nothing else. Just a reminder that if you are watching, be sure to like the video, subscribe to this channel. That really helps us out. And now let's get to questions. Yeah. Um, so we already addressed somebody uh, potentially finding a beware advantage. So I'll skip over uh, KB Nia's first question, but getting to their second question, uh, do we? Do you think these players are good at knowing they are going home or is the majority tribe or is the people in the majority not good at deceiving since three or four have played their shot in the dark? So this, I think this is a really good question. And this is what we talked about earlier in the podcast where I think it's a mixture of both. And I think both can be true. Like they're not mutually exclusive where Mariah said that she played a shot in the dark because Jonathan and Lindsay were being very obvious. Like apparently Lindsay, you know, winked at her like very blatantly. And that wasn't Lindsay's style. So she was like, that was very weird. And then out of nowhere, Jonathan sits next to her in the shelter and goes, I'm really going to miss Marianne. And she's like, you're laying it on very thick. So I think, yes, on one hand, the majority majority is not super good at deceiving in Mariah's case. And I think in Zach and Swathi's case, I think they just both were, I mean, they're both younger players, of course, but they're super fans of the show. And I guess they're, like I mentioned, they're perceptive enough to realize, okay, the vibe seems off. They're, you know, they're not telling me I'm going home. They're trying to hide it, but like I sense something is wrong here. So I think it's a mixture of some players know in their gut that they need to play it. And then other majority players just are not doing a good job of hiding it. Yeah, I think it's a mixture of both. I think Shan and Ricard were really good at deceiving. I also mm -hmm. think that I also think that you know um, it has probably been a little bit obvious in some cases. Um, but I also think Forty Two is also the players are picking up on the shot in the dark twist a lot more than the Forty One players were. Yeah, I mean, I I think that's a good point. And the thing that you, you've heard you've heard us say four weeks in a row now, and what we what um you see on the internet, people are, are liking the season a lot so far. And I think the biggest reason is this is a very, very fun and very strong cast for sure. Yeah. Uh, so two questions from Christian, uh, unless anyone else has more coming up, but uh, Christian wants to know, Hey guys, we're one episode left before the merge in mid April. Since we saw that the two hour episodes on the 13th, do you think the hourglass twist ugh, returns this season and would it return for 43 and 44? I will go on the record and say, I do not think this comes back in 43 and 44. Jeff has already heard, not only from the people on the streets that they, we don't like it. He heard from Danny and others in the season. They didn't like it because they lied to the players about being safe. So it ain't coming back after this 41-42 stretch because they filmed back-to-back. -back. Does it return this season? I think it does. I think, though, it's going to change in some way. Like, we saw Savvy and Sweat return but it got altered a bit where, you know, it was one person doing the back buckets. And then we saw, you know, you get two guesses on the triangles. I think the hourglass does come back, but I feel like it changes a bit because they filmed it back to back. It had a big impact, had an impact on the season, quote unquote. So I think it does come back this season, but altered. And I do not think it's coming back after that. 
Yeah, I think it'll be back but altered so that it's not as drastic of a change uh, in terms of like change in gameplay, like change of the dynamic of what's happening. Uh, again, I don't know what the switch will be. I think somebody will have the opportunity probably to change something in the game. I think it will be a harder decision for the person. It will not be an obvious decision, I don't think, this time to hit the hourglass. I think it'll be more of a you actually have to think about whether or not to do it. And I think it'll be less of an effect on the game if they do do it. And I don't think it ever comes back again after this. I have an idea and, and I just thought of this right now. Tell me if this is either like overpowered or if it's like, if, if it's fine, if we have to have an hourglass where someone smashes it and it shakes something up, but you don't want it to have a huge impact on the players where, Oh, you won. Now you're not safe. You got punished for winning. What if, cause last season, if you remember when they did the, when they did the, um, the rock draw for those two groups, I don't remember what colors they were like if blue was better or yellow was better, but one of them was severely powerful. The other tribe had Tiffany and Evie. It had Xander, but Tiffany, Evie, Heather, like it was very uneven. Like the the tribe that won and ended up being not safe was so overpowered. Do you think it would be overpowered if they bring the hourglass back, but they say we're going to split tribes. And if you don't like the tribe, like breakups right now, you can break it and we can draw tribes again. How would that be? I think, I think that would be fine. Um, Yeah. I just, I don't want something that's going to impact I don't want something that's going to completely change who won a challenge and make them not safe. It doesn't make any sense. Yeah. So I, I think if you change something before the challenge even happens, like that's better, I guess. Or, or I think it's like you have the option, like we said last season, you have the option to rerun the challenge, but it doesn't necessarily mean that the result is going to like, if you, if you, if you hit the hourglass, you have a choice of whether or not to, you know, I, I don't know, maybe re, something about rerunning the challenge, but I, I don't, I don't think they should do it where it's like a guarantee that, what that's what that person says goes and like it flips the results i think i think it i think we could see an hourglass where maybe maybe it doesn't happen at the merge maybe it happens later in the game and they have a chance to switch something completely different than this than this time yeah it'll be interesting interesting to see what happens so i think we're in lockstep where we think it's going to come back this season unfortunately but it won't be exactly the same yep i agree uh, Christian has another question. Do you think at the merge, it'll be three tribes of four members at the merge? Four, four, four. So what Christian's saying is Taku doesn't lose again, which I kind of agree with. Um, they're saying that Ika doesn't lose again, but the green tribe will lose one more time and will go four, four, four. I think it's possible. I think what we see is that orange is just so far in a way the best. And every week it seems that green and blue are fighting for second and third. So I think it's certainly possible that Ika squeaks out in another win and Vati goes back to Tribal Council, but I still feel like I like Vati's chances a little bit better than Ika's, but I think it's certainly possible that we get an even split across the board for 4-4-4. But this goes back to what we, we said earlier, where if green and blue, thanks to Jonathan, feel like orange is very strong, do they try to team up on Taku? So that will, it'll be interesting to see what happens there. Like I, like I said... I don't ever think blue tribe is going to win, but they've kind of been neck and neck with green on like every single challenge. So I think it's 50, 50. Can you imagine a world just really quickly, Dylan, where if Jackson doesn't get medevaced and well, I mean, no matter what they were, they were going to win that challenge anyway, but if, if Jackson doesn't get medevaced and they don't put Jonathan on the puzzle um, and they put, I don't know, maybe they put Marianne or Omar on the puzzle, this tribe could have been the Luvu where they would, they, I think this tribe could have went into the merge six strong. I think they, they, they weren't going to lose ever. I think they just got unlucky with Jackson and then 
I think they made a bad choice with Jonathan mm-hmm. Puzzle. But this tribe was designed. I told you pre- uh, preseason. This tribe was designed to not lose anything. But I think I think it's better that they actually have two players out and they're only down. Oh, it's better, four. yeah. Because because I mean, Luvu had a massive advantage last season by you know I, obviously they didn't have the advantage of not knowing what tribal is like, but they had the advantage. They had the numbers going into the merge. When you go to a twelve person merge with six, I mean that's that that's that's you know a huge advantage. Obviously, now I think that it's almost like a double edged sword for Taku, where they're going in, they're going in strong with four, but if they're going in that notably strong, they're they could possibly be at at an eight four disadvantage. So, yeah, well, I, I I think it's yes and no. I feel like yeah, you have a big advantage because you know you. Um, you have more members because obviously I think it's more important in Survivor to have an alliance member than an idol. Having someone you can trust fully is more important than having a gadget that you could either play correctly or not. However, we, we see this happen all the time where you have some like a tribe like Tandang. They don't lose at all. They go into the merge six strong and they completely implode because they don't trust each other and they hate each other because they haven't got to tri- but they haven't went to tribal and they're itching to vote somebody out, which is why we joke as a as a community, we joke about the intentional Matt Singh, where you know, is there some merit in throwing a challenge or two to go to tribal and get that get those bonds built? So I think it's like a double-edged sword in some way. And and like you said, in terms of intentional Matt Singh. We speak. We speak about why that could be valuable. Now, if you think about the blue tribe here, if they happen to go in with three, or even how they are now, is it an advantage for them that they they possibly are all going in every man for themselves? I think that could, and none of them are huge. None of them are visibly huge threats. So I think that it may be more valuable the fact that they could just kind of attach themselves if they would like to the majority. Um, and if their social game is good enough, they could just kind of you know, breathe, breathe new, they could have new life basically completely. Like, and, and if we, we take a player like Tori, for example, that we spoke about a lot, obviously she's kind of been a focal point, even though she's kind of playing a mess of a game, she could play a, all the mess of a game that she wants to play. Um, But if she go, if she gets to the merge and everybody from Ika is just every man for themselves, the merge is, it, it's, it's a completely different game for her. She could be in a great spot come merge. If, you know, since that tribe was so decimated and it's just not together. So it, it, it's just interesting to talk about all the dynamics and possibilities. Yep. Uh, three last quick questions. It looks like, um, you know, thoughts on the season so far, I believe it's been fun, but not great. I mean, I think, I mean, listen, I think it's hard to compare because again, we are in this new era and we're only two episodes into the new era. Um, I think obviously since we've been fans for a long time, we kind of prefer, you know, some of the more original seasons from the show's history, but I, I'm liking 42 more than 41 so far. I mean, I can't compare this season to all of last season because I am i can't compare four episodes to 13. But four episodes in, um, strike by strike, I think I'm liking 42 more. I think it's a very fun cast. Um, and I think, especially coming off of last week's crazy episode, there's a lot of potential still to come. So, I, again, I'm not going to call it like an amazing season just yet because we're still early on, but I'm enjoying it so far. Yeah, I think that um, I think it's a great. I think it's been a good season. I think it's going to be better than forty one. Um, I also think I've you know I've heard some people on other podcasts talk about the fact that you know forty one was not the best season. 
So this could just feel like an upgrade to that, but maybe compared to other seasons. So for example, I have a friend that's like in the middle of watching, he's watching this the same time he's watching some, some seasons in the thirties and he likes the that seasons in the thirties way more than this current season. Um, and I, you know, I think, I think that it's, you know, it's possible that this could, this could be better than it could be way better than last season, but still not like a top tier season and just being a middle tier season. And that's completely fine. I think that it does have a lot of potential though, given you know, obviously we're gonna have three idols in the game. Obviously we have a fun group of players. Obviously we've already had one insane tribal council. And obviously there was a lot of untapped potential with advantages that we didn't really get to see used to their fullest potential last season. So um, I think there is potential for, for it to be good season. Um, I think I'm enjoying it so far though. Yeah. And, and look, I mean, season rankings are subjective and ranking seasons as Stephen Fishback would say rankings are arbitrary uh, arbitrary and reductive so you know you can like whatever season that you like I mean some people like old school seasons better some like new school some people might like the season because it's you know maybe more fun or you know there's diverse casting so people can relate to players more whatever your criteria is um I think for me it just comes down to are the players fun is the gameplay fresh and interesting are there some uh, is is it like um, is it unpredictable where I'm not sure what's going to happen? So all of those make for a great season. But I think four episodes in, there's potential here. Um, last question, Dylan, and then I have one thing from Twitter that I completely forgot to mention. Um, do we think the merge will happen at 11 instead of 12? I think it's going to happen at 12 when we said already. Yeah, I, I think it's going to happen at 12. I think it's going to be the same yeah. as last season. It just the twist may be yeah. changed. The last thing I wanted to say before we end tonight is I. Everyone's saying this on Twitter. Did you catch in Swathi's uh, exiting words where she tried to pull the Boston Rob comparison where she was like, um, you know, Boston Rob is fourth down on his season like I was and he ended up winning. So, like, maybe I can come back and win. Boston Rob was never fourth out. So, do you know what she was referencing there? What, what, what was she referencing? She, I, I, I had to go back and look. Yeah. Oh, pretty, yeah. yeah, go ahead. Yeah, I, I don't know. I, I, I honestly, I didn't I didn't listen carefully to her last words. So uh, I could have sworn, I'll go back and listen. I could have sworn she said Boston Rob was the fourth out on his season and he ended up winning the game. And, I you know, maybe I can come back in a season and win. I don't think Boston Rob was fourth out in his first season and Marquesa, he made the merge and got voted out. Um, Unless she's referring to when he got voted out like fifth or sixth in winners at war, but I don't think she's referencing that. So, listen, Look, it's she, a deep poll. Was- so. Look, look, uh, she, a lot of things happen. A lot of emotions happen when you get voted out, you know, may not be the most accurate information, but, uh, well, uh, yeah, I'm, I'm curious, uh, what that so was about. Maybe Swathi was coming from, uh, maybe Swathi was going, going for, uh, she's trying to come up with the best exit words possible, but nothing will ever top the Jeff Kent <laughs> exit words. So. <laughs> um, righty. Um, but yeah, once again, thank you everybody for watching live. Thank you everybody who, you know, is watching in general. Um, be sure to like this video, subscribe to this channel. If you haven't already, that really helps us out. Follow us on Twitter and Instagram at souls, fiber po- uh, pod. You can follow us on TikTok now. That's new at souls, fiber podcast, uh, subscribe on Apple, Spotify, and anywhere else. Give us a five-star rating and review. That really helped us out. And yeah, excited for next week. Excited for next week. Um, my number one, Dylan and I have nothing else for you. So uh, as always, grab your torches and head back to camp. Good night.